Hello and welcome to I'm Not Doing This Without Alcohol. My name's Denise Ferguson from Fine Spades and today I'm here with Abigail Bowles. Hi Abigail, how are you? Hi Denise, I'm well, thank you. Good, good. So Abigail, are you having a drink with me today? I am having a glass of water. <laughs> That's good. No, you did say before we started recording that you're not a drinker. So I will be, I've got three podcasts tonight, so I will be very good and not drink too much on the first one. So Abigail, what's your business called and what do you do? So my business is called Success by Design Training, um, but I am a time management author, a speaker and a trainer, and I am very, very passionate about helping people reclaim their time. Wow. Okay. Let's unpick that a little bit. How do you even get into that type of business? Yeah, so I'll give you the story in a nutshell and then we'll sort of work towards where we are today. Um, Four-year-old Abigail was a dreamer. Ten-year-old Abigail wanted to be 20. (laughs) 20-year-old Abigail wanted to be... I've always wanted to do more things the younger I was um, throughout my life. Uh, So I always wanted to start my own business, but I had no idea how to do it. And I didn't know anyone else who knew how to to sort of teach me how to do it. I mean, there were books at the time from Richard Branson um, and people like that, but there wasn't really much inspiration for female business owners. So I did what everyone else did. I went to university. I got a degree. I went to the city and I worked in finance. So I worked in investment management, asset management and hedge funds for over 10 years in the marketing area Um, because my degree is in marketing. I also have a postgrad in marketing, just as an aside. Um, I'm kind of obsessed with marketing as much as time. Um, So I still wanted to run my own business, but I still didn't know how to do it and did what everyone else did in the city, you know, chase the parties, chase the Prada, chase the Prosecco trying to see if that would fill the hole in my soul and it never did. Then one day my boss came to my desk and he said those magic words, I'm sending you on a business class business trip. And I was like, oh my goodness me, that's it, I've made it. I've got the handbag, I've got the suits, I'm going to Boston in America. This is it, I'm, you know, I'm here, but we don't need, I don't need to be a business owner. This is just my, my jam. So I arrive in Boston off of the flight, probably having consumed a bit of champagne, shall we say, you know, it was my first ever business class flight and it it flowed freely in those days. Who knows what's going to happen in the future? But anyway, um, and my friend collected me from the airport, took me to her parents' house uh, where I was staying for the weekend before I went to the sort of the hotel. And we were supposed to be having a catch up that weekend. We had Boston clam chowder with her parents on the Friday night, a little bit more wine. And I woke up on the Saturday with a headache, which wasn't to be um, unexpected, you know, due to the alcohol consumption on the flight. Only the symptoms went very quickly from black and white lights flashing in front of my eyes to feeling like I was going to be sick, to asking my friend if she had a dustbin because I couldn't make it to the bathroom at which point her mum walked past the bedroom door and (laughs) looked in to see her guest vomiting in a dustbin. And all credit to her said, are you okay? And when I said, no, I see with these black and white lights flashing in front of my eyes, is this normal? Am I having a migraine? She said, I'm going to phone an ambulance. 
Fast forward 24 hours later, I am being woken up by a doctor in a hospital and told that at the age of 32, I've had a stroke. Oh, my God. So I literally didn't say those words. I said, oh, can I go to work on Monday? To which the doctor said, um, no, you're going to the intensive care unit. We need to make sure that this doesn't happen again and find out why it did happen. <laughs> and from then on, I've been living my second life. So that was nine years ago. And in that time of sort of leaving the hospital and then coming back to back to London, back to life, it was just a question of, well, who do I actually want to be? Now I know something that we all know, but I've actually been there. Like we all know that this life is going to end, but when you actually have that life ending, it's a, it's a bit of a different sort of conversation, a bit of a different reality check. Uh, so then it was time for me to just say, look, I've no idea how I'm going to do this business thing. I'm just going to work it out and make it up. So that's a very long winded way of saying how I came to do time management. And that was because suddenly overnight, Denise, I had the, the biggest realization that our time is our life and that nothing else matters. And that that stupid excuse so many of us use about I'm busy is actually an excuse. And there are ways that we can manage our time. So why don't we? Because our time is creating our life and we're here once. <laughs> Like life is a game. Let's play it. Let's not sort of act like the world is happening. Everything is happening you know, to us and the world is, is awful. It's this is my life. This is my reality. What can I do to change it and then change it? And for your audience, I just have to make this point clear. I did not have this mindset before my um, life changing wake up call, you know, my spiritual awakening, if you want to call it. Before that, I had a very, very fixed mindset, as Carol Dwight would call it. I was definitely somebody who, you know, would sort of be saying, it's not fair, why has this happened to me? But after that day, suddenly it was, okay, it's happened, what am I going to do about it? What can I do about it? So that's why I care so much about helping people to manage their time. Why specifically time? Because that sort of event could have turned you into deciding to help stroke victims or help people who have you know life-limiting illnesses or people who've been through trauma or this or that why specifically time management there must be more to it well the, interesting you should ask because I've just been sort of digging into that myself to write my next book um my father worked in um councils and he local councils I can't remember like in management services that was what it was and he would come home from work every day at dinner time and tell us what he'd been doing so what he was doing was around time management and productivity and productivity improvement so I think four-year-old me must have heard that and been like oh this is interesting and then I go on to do my degree and it's very much in the consciousness in the jargon manage your time master your time be more productive like how can you do more and then I obviously go into the working world sort of in the 90s and the 90s was just sort of after the 80s of the big kind of boom of productivity and it really matters so for me time and time management's always been in my consciousness 
um, interestingly enough, I was very fortunate to walk away from my stroke without any physical disabilities, just with the mental health um, side of it, which in many ways is, is a, a journey in itself, sort of PTSD and dealing with what happened and why did it happen and depression and all of the things that come with it. I mean, we could talk for hours, so we won't touch that for now, but just to say that just because you can't see what's going on under the surface of somebody doesn't mean that there aren't things going on and that just because they look okay doesn't mean they are okay I mean I know we know all of this jargon now but I don't think everyone does know that though I think there's still such a huge stigma for you know even if it is a physical disability that if you can't see it then it's not there I know my mum she has um um um, rheumatoid arthritis and you, you can't see that she's disabled but she's she is very disabled and that it does drive me mad whenever um we are anywhere and you know people give the look of you know why are you in a disabled spot I you know I, and because I'm such a you know mouthy cow I'll say you can't see dis you can't see disabilities you know if you sat and you listed the ones that you can see against the ones that you can't see there's far more that you can't see so it, that drives me utterly insane and it's the same with you know mental disability against physical disability or mental health against physical health you know it, there should be no difference in our terminologies the way we speak about them because nobody asks to be ill regardless of whether or not it's a physical illness or a mental illness so I think there's a whole discussion with that and it's a great week for that anyway because you know it's mental health week so it's perfect for us to kind of have our little rant and say let's change our terminology but you're right this is this podcast isn't about that interesting that you say about how you got into the kind of time management because I um, interviewed a lady recently who um, she'd been in HR for years and she, she'd you know got up to director level and all of that and her her passion was always in fashion and now she has a, a fashion company and you know and it's amazing it's beautiful and she said it's because she always spent all of her pocket money buying you know unique clothing and beautiful clothing and she was always known for being dressed impeccably but differently but impeccably and she loved it and it wasn't until she said that to me that I said I used to spend all my money getting my hair done and, and now I negotiate leases for salon owners and it was in that interview that I went that's where it I mean there was obviously loads of other things that led me down that path but, but that childhood thing of I had door being in the salon you know my, one of my mum's best friends was a salon owner I used to love spending my time there. I used to sweep the floors for them you know I adored watching them but it, it's the childhood things that we hear and we learn and we listen to all the time that kind of takes us down a path that we can't just cannot explain completely so it's interesting that you can now look at it and say I listened to the words my dad said and that took me down a path even at university those words that I heard out of my dad's mouth were the things that I remember so clearly I love that and I think mm. it does teach us and it does br bring us a kind of nostalgic joy to remember those those sorts of words that especially when they come out of people that we love so that's fascinating so where do you see your business going what's mm. the plans yeah just to kind of go back to what you said just for a second so in the minutes when I thought that I actually was going to die in my friend's parents' guest bedroom, I made a promise with um, the universe, God, creator, source, whatever you want to call it. And that promise was that I was going to share the message with the world that make every moment count because your time is your life. So from 
that moment it was then inevitable that that's what I was going to end up doing and I would work with professionals and organizations and entrepreneurs that wanted to to understand to know how to actually implement so I spend a lot of my time um, helping people to take action on what they already know and so this is what I do most of the time I'm invited to speak about time management um, we've got a team they need to be trained I'll be speaking to them and Denise they sit there with their arms crossed and they're like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah time we've all got it yeah yeah oh yeah I use that app oh yeah oh the Pomodoro oh yeah 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 so I call this toxic time management it is an obsession with learning the newest thing and doing f all about it you I'm can sure swear I'm not sure if we're allowed to swear so I'll Fuck just yes I'll leave it there um <laughs> and So my passion then is what needs to happen for them to actually listen and to actually take action on what we're discussing. So I would be sitting, I would be sort of doing the training and then suddenly a slide would come up that would say 888 formula and they'd all take their phones out and they'd take a photo and they'd message me about it. They'd share it on social media and they'd be doing what I'd recommended for the 888 formula. And it was in those moments that I recognized that I didn't need to be talking about any more of the time management tools and techniques and tactics and strategies that when I spoke about the 888 formula, it suddenly gave people a wake up call for themselves. And they identified, oh, hang on a minute. And so when I talk about it, they're like, Say that again. And then suddenly a light bulb goes on. So what's the 888 formula then? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. <laughs> Let me get my prop. That's, do you know, that's so funny. I, I was looking at it throughout, but I didn't register that it was 888. I just thought it was fun. What is 24 divided by three? Uh, eight? Don't know. 888. So uh, science says that we need to be sleeping around seven hours, seven to nine hours. So let's call that eight. And society says that we should be working eight hours. So then what's left, the jam in the 888 sandwich, if you like, is the middle eight. And so then I'm explaining this and people are saying, hang on a minute. So I'm probably working 14 hours and I'm definitely not sleeping as much as I need to be sleeping. Incidentally, the average person needs seven and a half hours sleep. I'm a nine. Yeah, so seven to nine is the the numbers, but seven and a half is the average. Anyone that sleeps less than seven and a half, there's only about 1% of the population that genetically are supposed to do it. Anyone else that does, it's just a habit. I don't actually sleep nine hours, but genetically, I think my body requires nine hours because that's my sweet spot of happiness. And mine is seven and seven hours, 35 minutes. (laughs) Like, (laughs) love the precision of it. It's just the way. But so when you're looking at this, suddenly it's instantaneous to go, well, that's why I don't have a life. So in the life is your relationships, is your exercise, is buying the food, preparing the food, cooking the food, eating the food, washing up after the food, buying the clothes, wearing the clothes, washing the clothes, hanging up the clothes, 
the home, taking care of the home, and then the commute was in here as well. The relationship, the finding the relationship, the having the relationship, the maintaining the relationship, the children if you have them, the pets if you have them, and then suddenly people are like, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. I'm like, well, first of all, I'm not telling you that your formula needs to be 888. What I'm saying is that these parameters, science and society, mean there's not really much wiggle room. But there is enough wiggle room for you to now start getting brutal about where the middle eight is going. Okay, so do I need to go to the shop to buy my food? No, I can get it delivered. Do I need to be doing my own washing or ironing? No, I could probably get someone to do it. Do I need to be cleaning my own house? No, I could get someone to do it. Now, obviously, during the pandemic times, life's been a little bit different, but it's given us all the opportunity to reassess everything because now if you don't have to commute, the question is, what meetings do I need to go for because they're high value meetings and what meetings are just FaceTime that could be done on, on Zoom. And so suddenly everything has got its own categorization. And it's almost like the pandemic has really helped me to help people to recognize. Oh, it's been huge for me. More valuable. It's been huge for me. I mean, I, I am actually going to see a spa tomorrow, but I'm choosing to. Like I'm, I'm, it's it's a difficult transaction. It, you know, I I need to physically see it in order to be able to value it. That's fine, but I could have got around it in the thick of the pandemic. I could there would have been a way. This time I was like, I haven't been to see a spa for ages. I'm going to go and see it. So it was a choice, but everything else is done online. And it would never have been before. I would have gone to see almost every single lease that I was negotiating. And that was so time consuming. And so suddenly overnight, without me having to do so much, people are starting to say, oh, yeah, there's just things I don't want to do with my time anymore. And there's things I want to do more with my time and um, setting app limits on your phone to, to monitor how much time you're spending on social media, things like this, so that you have more time to have relationships IRL. I mean, who, who, <laughs> who wants to sort of spend the rest of their life having conversations with people over Zoom when you can start to get to that place of meeting up in real life and having coffees and, and doing things with people, but now everybody knows it matters because everybody's thinking for a second, hang on, do I want to put real clothes on, leave my house and, you know, get ready to see you and that commute time either way. So, yeah, that's kind of my mission and my passion. So I'm on a mission to share the 888 formula with a million people by 2025. Wow. So what type of people are you looking to work with then? So we work with professionals, organizations and entrepreneurs um, and to help me to spread it around. I've written books. I'm sort of invited to speak, to share the formula with people. And then every time I share it, I say to people, share it with other people, which is why I then get the messages. And so, Denise, I get people sending me messages of car number plates, of shop signs, <laughs> of telephone numbers. I had someone send me a message the other day of like the myelometer in their car said 888 miles or like, how, yeah, and it's just, it's crazy. But I'm, I see that as people are embracing it and recognizing, oh, wow. And 
your formula, whatever it is for you, is going to change throughout your life. You are going to have to work more at certain times of the year, depending on what sector you're in. I've worked with accountants who were like, it's really busy around account season. I said, well, obviously, but it doesn't mean that it always has to be that way. And why are clients bringing you shoeboxes of receipts? Well, because they always have. And then I'm like, well, train them. So everything can change. Where there's a will, there is a way. Yeah, there, in, there really is indeed. So where can people find you if they want to work with you then? So I hang out on two platforms most of the time, um, either on Instagram or LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn as Abigail Barnes. You can find me on Instagram as a Barnes author. And um, if you look at the link in my bio on Instagram, that has the links to all the good stuff. You can pre-order my book, which is coming out later this month, if you've resonated with anything I've shared. And if you haven't, namaste to you. (laughs) Yes, I agree. That's interesting. I think you'd probably go down well as well on Clubhouse if you try Clubhouse. Yes, so I am on Clubhouse as well, but I don't mention that because, you know, Android is just starting to come online so it's not it so is. widely used but yeah I have a club on Wednesdays on Clubhouse I would love to have you come speak on there it's Productive Wellbeing Club and it's 60 minutes so it's in it's out it's chat it's it's bring you up to the stage share your thoughts thanks very much move on I'm not a fan of the long long rooms me either so yeah give me a shout I'd love to come send me a message after this and I will definitely put it in the diary to come um, and and have a look at that room because Clubhouse, I love. It's great platform for people to just get information really quickly and really share some knowledge as well. So a massive, massive fan. Mm. So I end all of the podcasts with the eight mile moment. My, I, I love Eminem and I don't give a shit what anyone thinks about me. And I love um, how he does his rap battles by saying all the worst things about himself he's skinny as white his mum lives in a trailer so his opponent can't say anything bad back to him so Abigail what are the worst things about you I hate my side profile huh so used to seeing yourself front on I hate my side profile when I see a photo from the side I'm instantly like no 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 take that again (laughs) <laughs> that, that would be my biggest one that I don't often admit to people because the funny thing is once you say the things and people spot them so <laughs> um what else I I can't stand people wasting time <laughs> I can't oh, um, I can't must stand be. people telling stories about wasting time where they're like and I'm so busy I've got yada yada to do and they're not my clients so I'm not allowed to give unsolicited advice if you're my client I'll give you advice if you're not it's my job to just be like "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm 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 and then I just have to walk away because otherwise I'm going to be like you do know you have enough time don't you and that you're just lying to yourself (laughs) so um and I have to walk away and some people are like you just like why don't you why don't you say what you're thinking I'm like because most people in my opinion can't handle it so I'm just like okay then okay you don't yeah your limit your beliefs create the the reality you live in that's not the reality I live in okay cool yeah I think it takes a long time to get out of that mindset though of being busy because I know that I definitely get into those that flow of feeling very busy when 
we're about to kind of break through something else in the business. And I'm just, it's, it's because I'm a headless chicken because I, I can't, I feel like I can't do everything at once. And that's because I can't do everything at once. And then I haven't given myself enough time to delegate for other people to do stuff. And now when I calm down and I write down everything that needs to be done <coughs> and I delegate off to other people, then it all makes sense. But yeah, I, I totally understand the whole busy being busy thing. And that's it. It's the self-awareness and it's the stages. So now that you've recognized the pattern, then you can change it. But until you spot the pattern and so busy was a badge of honor, but now it's a red flag. And if anybody I think it says, is still a badge of honor for some people, though, because they've not gone through that process yet. It is in it is in certain sectors which are on their way out. Like 2020 has been a big awakening for people. I think so. The new world is much more based on that people they've been on their own. So people spot the BS so quickly now. And um, the next six months, six, nine months is going to be an amazing time, but a crazy time of rewriting the way things have always been which for me as like a heretic is fantastic because if someone tells me oh, you know maybe this is what some people don't like this is the way it is I'm like mm-hmm no no I, I'm well, always like you know just because we've always done it like this doesn't mean we always need to keep doing it like this. I can't stand it when people say that to me that literally makes me rise up because I think change is just so important. I think you should be ever evolving. You know, if people say to me, you said this, you know, last year, I'm like, speak to Denise last year then, because I'm not her anymore. Like mm -hmm. I change every single day. I have no desire, desire to stand still. I'm always trying to make myself a better person. So go and argue with Denise from last year, because that is not who I am anymore. So, yeah. yeah, evolution is life and you can uh, resist the train, but the train's going whether you like it or not. And you 100%. can go the easy way as a passenger in first class or you can go the hard way, um, hanging on at the back, being dragged along. And it's your choice. And there is no judgment about whichever mode of transport anyone wants to take, because believe me, before my awakening, I'd have been dragged along the back going, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. OK, I'm going. Yeah. But I think we all go through that anyway, in every warp of life, you know, even if we are an early adopter, even if we are, you know, up for it, there's stages of the process where we go, because we're terrified. So yeah, in absolutely no judgment, because you're just on a different cycle of that path than I am currently on. And that is a-okay. A hundred percent. Thank you so much, Abigail, for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me and for no helping problem. me to share the 888. <laughs> I love it. No, it's a great idea. And it's so true. And it will stop me next time I'm being busy to be less busy. Thank you so much. But as always, if anyone else wants to be on the podcast or you want to sponsor a podcast, you can contact us at podcast at find-surveyors.co.uk, which is a miracle that I remember that because it's a new email address this week. So Thank you, Brain, for remembering that one because I get it wrong every single week. But email us if you want to be on the podcast. Thank you. Bye, everybody.